0: Brother, appreciate you, man. Hey, thank you guys for cheering awkwardly for a guy you don't know earlier. That was sweet. A photo scavenger hunt, too. That's awesome. What's the over and under on how many people get arrested that night? It's like three or four? I... Three and a half? Okay, cool. I'll take the over. I, um... I don't gauge scavenger hunt. Scavenger hunt isn't a success unless somebody gets arrested, so uh, it just isn't fun without it. Um, Hey, so my name is Ben Fuquay, and I'm the college pastor here, like Tyler said, and uh, really, really pumped to get to be here and get to speak truth to you guys, uh, truth that really has been uh, convicting and rocking me for really the last couple of weeks. So let me pray, and then we'll jump into it. Father, Father, we love you. We love you, and uh, we need you, and I need you, and uh, Lord, I just, I, I thank you for what uh, just Tyler's posture, the the posture of this whole ministry, the posture of this church, um, that we are loved where we are, um, that this is a welcoming, accepting place, but Lord, you also have something for us, and you desire for us to grow, um, and uh, and you have called us to be renovated, and that your renovation process is a good thing in our life. Um, May we submit to that. May we desire that more and more with our lives. And then, Father, I pray that you would just allow me to get out of the way tonight, that your word would speak and not me, and that uh, this inadequate vessel up here... Uh, rambling for the next 30 minutes, Father, would instead be replaced with just your Holy Spirit, showing us through your word uh, what you have for us, uh, what you desire for us, and where you want to take us. We love you, we love you, we love you, in the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so we're going to be in the book of James tonight, in chapter 1, wrapping up towards the near uh, end of chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. So while you're flipping there, uh, I'm going to tell you a story. ...about a free vacation that my wife and I got. And those of you who are friends of mine have heard this story before... ...so you'll just have to suffer through it. Um, but I promise, stick with me, it's going somewhere. It ties in. Several years ago, about five years ago, my wife and I got a free vacation to Rome. Yeah, it was incredible, right? So uh, Rome in Italy, the, the real Rome. There's probably other cheaper Rome, but this was like the real Rome... <clears throat> And uh, and somebody gave us this free vacation, and the whole story of how I even got a free vacation was even more bizarre. I won't go into detail, but essentially what happened was I met a stranger on a layover in London. Uh, I was on a layover, I was waiting to get back to America, and I had like an all-night layover, and I started talking to some random stranger, and we became buddies one night, um, just waiting for our planes. That guy happened to be in the oil business. His family was from the Middle East, and they were in the oil business. And I don't know a whole lot about the Middle East, but they have oil there. And if your family owns that oil, it allows you to have basically like infinite money. So this guy I was hanging out with ends up having five homes throughout Europe and just this really eccentric, bizarre character. And, and so we became friends, we swapped numbers, and then he would call me every once in a while. He'd be like, hey, I'm going to be in the south of France for nine months. You should bring your wife and we'll hang out and frolic through fields barefoot. I'll pay for everything. He was always suggesting to pay, and I was like, that's ridiculous. No one can leave their life for nine months to go and do that, right? Maybe you can I can't. Um, so I would always have to turn him down. And they'd be like, yeah, I'm going to be in Prague. We can go visit all the museums and buy art and those kind of boring things. And I thought, "Nah, I can't. can't do it. One day he called about five years ago, and he said, hey, I'm going to be in Rome all summer. You and your wife should join me all summer. And I said, okay. His name was Abudi, by the way, really. His name was Abdul something-something, but I called him Aboudi. So I said, a booty. Tell you what, I can take a week off of work. Right? I can take a week off and I can come and hang out, but I don't want to exploit your generosity. But if you really if you really want to fly my wife and I out to hang out and roam with you, I can take a week off and I can hang out with you. But it's okay if that's not worth it. He said, definitely for sure, it's gonna be the best week of our life. (laughs) So we get emailed e tickets. Right By the way, the airline, the uh, travel agency was owned by his family also. So they like own planes. <clears throat> so we get emailed e-tickets. So I, four days before it's time to go. <clears throat> so I tell, uh, I tell my wife and I tell some friends around the church. I say, hey, uh, there's a chance. I met this one random guy. <laughs> He's putting my wife in on a plane. We know we have e-tickets there and back. We don't actually know what's going to happen during that week. We might get sold into sex slavery or we might be framed for like a terrorist plot. Somewhere in between there, or we might get a free vacation. I'm risking it. We're going. We get on the plane. So we get on this plane, and we land in Rome, and we walk out of the little terminal, and there's like a dude with a limo a limo driver with our, with our last name on the sign, Fuquay. And I think that's a pretty unique name. Surely that's got to be us. We get in the limo, and he takes us, the limo driver, takes us to the most ridiculous hotel ever right in the center of Rome, five star It's like a $1,500 a night hotel that we're staying in. And so we get there, and and when we check in at the front desk, we had gotten there a couple of days before a booty was going to show up, intentionally, because I thought, you know what, we already got the tickets. We'll get a couple of days, just me and my wife, and then a booty will take us on, what kind of crazy, we'll like be his little monkeys to dance for him. He's paying for us, so we can't really like have our own will. If he wants me to dance for him, I'll dance for him. So we get to the hotel and I have to put my credit card down for uh, incidentals. So the room is paid for, but I have to put my credit card down for incidentals. So like if I drink something from the little mini bar or something like that, I would never do. I work at a church, but we'll cover that in the black and white series. Um, So I go, I go and I put my credit card and then we we look at the menu of items and, and this hotel is so crazy expensive right? Like a soda in the mini fridge is like $15 and it's like six ounces of soda, right? And it, it's just opulently expensive. So my wife and I were like, you know what? No big deal. No big deal. We'll just eat super cheap. And so we stayed in this awesome hotel. There was this really fancy restaurant like built in the middle of it. It was like an outdoor gazebo type thing with really expensive food. We said, that's okay. We'll like sneak out and we'll buy like really cheap pizza. We're in Rome. We got a free trip, free airfare, free hotel room. So we're not going to utilize the hotel because we can't afford it we'll wander around and like wait for people to be done eating at the restaurant and, like <laughs> take their take their you know leftovers and and you know that kind of stuff but it's fine we're in Rome it's fun turns out a booty doesn't show up right I tell the concierge when we get to the room. I was like hey whenever Mr. Abdul shows up will you call me so I can come down because honestly I don't know that I would have remembered what he looked like I only met him once and this was like several years later and he says, actually, he got delayed. There was some family business, probably oil-related <clears throat> or travel agency-related. And he says he's not going to be able to make it for another week. So I was like, okay, I, the room's still paid for, them, right? You're not kicking me? I was like, yeah, yeah, the room's still paid for. Them. So we're bumming it in Rome for like three or four days, but it's still awesome. We're in Rome. We're enjoying it. About the middle of the trip, a booty calls me, and he gets my hotel room, and I answer it, and he's apologizing profusely that he's not there. I'm in Rome for free, so like, I don't really care. But, but he feels really bad about it. He's like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, it's no big deal. This is so generous. It's okay. It's fine. And he says, are you enjoying the hotel? It's like, we're loving the hotel. Are you taking advantage of the massages? Right, they have massages. Are you taking advantage of the restaurant, eating in the restaurant? Get a bottle of champagne for your wife. Are you taking advantage? I was like, well, I mean, I'm not really doing all those things. We just can't afford it. But we're loving it. It's a blessing. We're stealing food from other poor people. It's fine. <clears throat> it's great. We're loving it. And he said, no, no, no. All of the incidentals are on my business account. And I was like, well, I I mean, I had to put my card down. He's like, no, no, that was a mistake. They're all on my business account. I promise. They have been the whole time. They are. I'll have the concierge call and confirm. So then I get a call from the concierge who says, yes, everything you spend and want to do with hotel is covered by a booty. So please enjoy. Things changed after that, (laughs) right? Like... My life, the first three or four days, was fun, right? But then things radically changed in how we enjoyed the hotel. We got massages like every day, no joke. We ate in that stinking restaurant like nine times a day, just <laughs> steaks. It would be like, can I get a steak with like another steak on the side? And it was just incredible, right? There was uh, some movie stars over there. There was one particular movie star, Tilda Swinton. She won an Academy Award. She was the white witch in Narnia, right? Which she really is that scary. Like, she is, like the elevator doors would open and we would freak out because there was the white witch in our hotel staring at us in her robe on her way to massage that I just got. Anyway, so we were sitting at the restaurant one night and uh, and I picked up her tab. She had ordered a bottle of champagne for her table that like I could see and I could see them over there. I was like, that's Tilda Swinton. And I was like, babe, that's my wife. That's her name. <clears throat> I said, babe, I'm going to pick up her tab and put it on ours. And my wife, who's a rule follower and like just, she just like sank under the, said, no, don't do it. Don't do it. But I did. When the waiter came back and said, uh, "The table over there, the albino blonde chick, put put that put that on me. I, I got that right." And they did. So I bought Tilda Swinton, the Academy Award-winning actress, her bottle of champagne. Cover that in the black and white. How that works in that series, if that's allowed. But nonetheless, it was awesome. It was incredible, right? Because I fully utilized everything that. I mean, we just lived it up, and it was awesome. What we're going to see in James, what we're going to see in James right here, is there should be a seismic shift in our actions, in the way we live out our faith, whenever we truly have confidence in who we are in Christ. So I get this phone call in the middle of my vacation, and I'm living like a bum in a really nice house, but I'm living like a bum, and then all of a sudden I get this phone call, and I realize it's not on my credit card, it's on someone else's credit card who has infinite money, and it's very generous. And all of a sudden, my actions radically change. And I take advantage of the blessings of this hotel like crazy. And that is what I think James points to and screams of, that our life should become doers. There should be an action and a response from our life if we truly understand, if it truly clicks, if we answer that phone and we realize, oh my gosh, that is who I am that is whose card I'm living on. And it changes everything. Read with me James 1, 22-25. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law The law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Right off the bat, right off the bat in this passage, we see a call to action. We see in verse 22: be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. James, the author of this letter, written to believers, says, be doers. That, that word in Greek, it is an imperative. So he's not saying, hey, I suggest... He's saying, go and do and apply and have action. In the context that he's writing to, this is saying, carry out the commandments of God's word. You know God's word. You follow God's word. You have the law, the law of liberty. So put that in place. We're going to see three sets of, um, of these actions juxtaposed throughout the next five verses. And the first one is this. It's this juxtaposition, this dichotomy between the idea of being only a hearer or being a doer. Being only a hearer or being a doer. This is insanely relevant. It's insanely relevant for me in my life, but I think in the culture that we live in, specifically in the buckle of the Bible belt in Fort Worth, Texas, this is something that we struggle with so much. What does it look like to not just be a hearer and a consumer, but also a doer? I work with college students and I see this a lot in the, in the college atmosphere because we have got worship services every night of the week if you're a college student, specifically a college student at TCU. There, we invite students to come to our ministry on Sunday, worship, praise Jesus, hear the word of God. Monday night there's a big thing. Tuesday night there's something. Wednesday night there's awesome stuff. There, there's something every night of the week that we can come and be listeners to. Uh, we can also just fill our ears with podcast after podcast. We live in a day and age right now where it is so easy, never been easier, to be a constant hearer of the word of God. Now, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm not saying worship services are bad. I love them. I'm a part of one right now. I think worship services are something we're commanded to do, to gather. I'm not saying they're bad. I'm saying they're incomplete. I'm saying James says they're incomplete, to be a hearer only and not a doer. Um, The other thing we see a lot with this, this aspect of being a hearer What it does is it trains us, I refer to it sometimes as a spiritual crack addict, right? And when I say spiritual, I think we probably misinterpret that word and I probably really mean more like an emotional, right? We've got to have that emotional worship high. And so I've walked with college students specifically, and they bounce from one awesome worship service, and then they go to this conference, and it's awesome, and it's, the music is great, and it's just, it just rocks. And then, and then their walk kind of dips, and they feel distant from God, and then they got to get another fix and get loud music, and, then the, and it goes back up. And it's one of the reasons I love worshiping with Casey Taylor, right? Because he's a guy who really has a heart for leading people to the throne. Even during the welcome, he's sitting here telling us, this is not all about this. Right, that this hour that you guys are here, being hearers and proclaimers of the word of God, there's more to it than this. Don't be a spectator. I love churches that bring people in and then say, "Okay, now go and do." Which, if you stick around Tyler for very long, you're going to hear that over and over, and you're going to see that lived out in his life. I, I used to travel and speak at like youth camps and things like that. I worked with a band one time. Uh, really cool guys, loved Jesus. And I remember I would get such a kick out of it. There would be, like, high school kids that would come up to the worship leader afterwards. And they would say, man, that was so good. Your worship set, like, Saturday night was so awesome. When you played that one song, and, like, right at the bridge, I felt the Holy Spirit just hit me. And the worship leader, really sweet guy, loved Jesus. would be like, oh, okay, cool, which part? He's like, yeah, man, like, right at the bridge, right in that. And the worship leader, I would watch him do this. He would go, no, 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 that was the bass drum. No, man. it was, yeah, yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. That's where the bass drum comes in. So you're confusing the bass drum for the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And we do that all the time, right? Like, that happens all the time. We think, yeah, man, when we sang Oceans, dude, the Holy Spirit just hit. It's like, that's because it's an awesome song. Now, having said that, I recognize I specifically am a guy who is wired in a way that music stirs my affections for the Lord. So, again, I'm not throwing worship music under the bus. For me, oftentimes, and I'll go and I'll, like, want to have a quiet time. And I'll sit quietly in a field somewhere with my shoes off. And I'll open up my Bible. I don't know if this happens to you guys. But then I'll think like, did I, did I turn off the lights in the house? Well, I never turn off the lights, so that's a bad example. My, yeah, my wife's like, you never. Why would you ever wonder that? I wonder something. I don't know what it is. Did I pay our bills? Well, she pays the bills. Dang it. I don't know what I get distracted with. But my mind wanders. And I get distracted. I think, no, 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 back, back to the word. And it gets distracted. And honestly, for me, knowing my wiring... I pop in some worship music in my ears and it helps stir my affections for the Lord. That is a tool that God uses. God has given people gifts to be able to lead others in a way that stirs affection. However, are we becoming crack addicts to where we need that? To where we can't be still and know God? Do we need, and do we confuse emotionalism with s- true spiritual growth? True spiritual sitting in the presence of God? It's something that I think our culture, this generation, is going to wrestle with. I wrestle with it. Um, it's something that's a, a, a tough thing that we've got to navigate. How do we use the gifts that God has given us to stir our affections, to hear the word of God, but then also what James is talking about, to go and, and be a doer? Um, we give our emotions so much power. Uh, we really do. And, and I think on the opposite end, sometimes you'll hear people say, this is such a churchy phrase, but you'll hear people say, uh, man, it's like really quenched the spirit. Have you ever heard that term? And I just think sometimes when I hear that, really? Like the spirit of God who is like there among the waters, the triune God in creation who holds all things together, like because somebody like hit a wrong note on a guitar or because the room wasn't comfortable enough for you, you didn't feel the spirit. Like we have the power to scare away the Holy Spirit because of some condition and because, oh, they didn't play songs I know. I just didn't feel the spirit. We've got to go deeper. We've got to be seeds planted in soil where our roots go deep. And we don't just find our nourishment from from things that God has designed to bless, designed to stir, but we go deeper. And where we're going to end up with is we go deeper into here, into this word. Um, Having said all that, I I do want to make sure that I say the caveat. It is so important for us as a body of believers, for you as an individual believer, follower of Christ, if if that's where you are, um, to get plugged into community to get plugged in and committed to a fellowship of other believers who know you and you know them and they call out your junk and you call and you submit yourself to godly men over you who are speaking truth. That's such an important aspect of the faith. Um, Being a doer rather than a hearer. James is telling us to walk the talk, right? That's what he's saying. He's saying walk the talk. And in that first verse, be a doer, not just a hearer. He's referring to doing what this Manual says for us to do what this love letter tells us to do, right? He, he's telling us to put this into practice. So that means flee from sexual immorality. Yes. That means step out in boldness and share your faith with others. Yes. That means lay down your lives and service for your brothers. That means meditate on his word. This book, we've got to listen to. But we've, ought to we've also got to catch ourselves and say, well, are we doers? Here's the problem. Look at verse 23 and 24, why we're not very good at doers. Certainly this hits me right between the eyes. Verse 23. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. This is my freaking life. This, that verse, this, these two verses, this idea of a man who looks at himself in a mirror and then turns and goes and forgets who he is, that's my life. That brings me so much conviction in my life. Um, uh, last weekend, I got to speak at a, or a couple weeks ago, I got to speak at some freshman retreat for college students. And uh, my wingman in ministry, his name is Ryan Christian, he's on staff with us here. Uh, he and I always go out there and we hang out with college students and we do some stuff on Saturday morning and then we always sneak away to Glen Rose, Texas, which is the, the town that the camp is attached to, and, uh, and we eat lunch together and just kind of catch up. Glen Rose, Texas, there is a Chinese food restaurant in Glen Rose, Texas. We went to this Chinese restaurant a year ago, and it was maybe the single worst experience of my life. It was awful. If you are the owner of a Chinese restaurant in Glen Rose, Texas, I apologize for offending you. You should definitely get another job, though. Um, it was just horrible food, right? It was just awful, and I was sick, and, it was, and I remember us leaving there, and we were like, Ugh, why would we ever do that? Like, why would we eat Chinese food in Glen Rose, Texas? What were we thinking? A week ago, right? A week ago, we went back, and we were leaving the camp. We'd done the little morning session, and we were sneaking away for lunch. And we're in the car, and I remember pulling out kind of back into the little mini city, whatever they call those, like, tiny towns. I guess towns. Um, <laughs> and we were pulling out, and we're like, where, where are we going to eat? And we remembered, oh, yeah, the Chinese food place. Let's go to the Chinese food. Yeah, yeah, let's go. So we went to the Chinese food place. And then we started eating. And then we remembered oh, yeah, this place almost killed me last year. Like, I literally almost died from this food last year. And here we, and and we would, like, part of our conversation during the meal was like, oh, I forgot how bad it was. And we're just eating it. Oh, so awful. I threw up for nine days, I lost 60 pounds. Like, it was just, right? We forget so easily, so easily. Be a doer of the word. Great. I'm going to hear the word. I'm going to receive it. I'm going to go do it. I look at my face in the mirror. I see, and then I turn, and I forget. And here's the thing. I don't just forget what I'm supposed to do. I think in this, in this text, we also see I forget who I am. I look at my face in the mirror, and then I turn, and I go, and I forget I forget who I am. I have spent so many seasons of my life under the slavery of pornography addiction in my life. It is something that has robbed me of life through my youth and through my teenage years, through my young adult years, uh, through my adult years, and it's something that even as a believer, being saved and being redeemed in Christ, it is something that would rope me in, drag me down a path, And leave me just so unsatisfied. So empty and just realizing, man, this is lifeless. Like, really, this is lifeless. And I would come and I would get this awesome repentance that would happen in this clean heart. And this, you know, the the shackles would be freed and the, the shingles on my heart would be loosened. And I would see this freedom. And then so often in my life, it was a product of me forgetting the freedom I had. And I would wander back into that sin for years of my life. We have those things in our life, right? Maybe even personified, you ladies or maybe guys have dated somebody, and you had that boyfriend that was just a crappy boyfriend. Can I say crappy? Black and white? Okay. It's white. I'm good. (laughs) Crappy boyfriend. (laughs) I love that guy. Um, you just have this, this crappy boyfriend and you, you, get, you realize this boyfriend is awful, right? Or this girlfriend is horrible. Like she's tried to stab me tonight. I, we're definitely breaking up. And you get some distance and we're like, okay, cool. And then all of a sudden, like, it's like you kind of wander back into that relationship and you, and you realize she's going to stab me again. This is horrible or not even that dramatic. But I mean, seriously, I mean, that is going to touch some hearts in this room in some real sensitive ways because they know I do that. And is it because we don't know we shouldn't? Or is it because we forget the value that we actually are, the value we have? What God has for us is better. Is it that we forget our identity in Christ, that we turn, walk away from the mirror, and immediately forget who we are? We're called to do this. We have to be reminded of ourselves. And let me make no mistake, too, this doing that I'm getting the privilege of talking about this morning, right? The application of all of this scripture. Uh, I mean, week after week, Tyler is going to dig into this book. Ted on Sundays. I mean, you're going to surround yourself with people who are going to dig deeply into this word. It's going to take us the rest of our life to apply it, which is why I love James, because it's a jumping off point to say, but apply it. It's good, right? What we're talking about in being a doer, I want to make no mistake it's not that I'm supposed to do this list of do's and don'ts that's kind of a killjoy. It's that the doing of the Word of God is what brings abundant life to me. The doing that we're talking about, that we desire, isn't just, oh, I'm going to do these things so I get my ticket punched and I get to go to heaven and see my dog and my grandmother one day. It's that the doing of the Word of God brings life now, brings real joy, brings real peace to my life, and patience to my life. That's the doing we're talking about. So, uh, forgetting versus remembering. If the first juxtaposition of words is, uh, is to be a hearer only or to be a doer, the second in those two verses is forgetting rather than remembering. <clears throat> if you are in Christ, the old has gone and the new has come, 2 Corinthians 5.17, there is freedom in the gospel. You have been set free. This morning, this evening, whatever you came with, right, whatever baggage you came with and you walked in with, whatever misplaced guilt and misplaced shame, if you are in Christ, a new creation, you're set free from that. That doesn't have any stake. That doesn't have any shackles any longer. Do we actually have the confidence to walk out that freedom? I pray that we do. I pray that we could be doers and and walk out that identity of freedom. We are freed, and yet we still love to go and play in the dungeon, don't we? We just love to play in the dungeon. Verse 25 is the solution to that remembering. It says this, But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing." Um, one of the translations in the, in the first few verses, it talks about the man who glances at his face in the mirror. And here in verse 25, you can see the perfect law. Um, one of the interpretations says, look intently at. We look intently into this perfect law, the law of liberty. That is how we remind ourselves of who we are. There's two mirrors in our culture there is a, a mirror of the world. If you will, if you'll track with me in this illustration, a mirror of the world that tells us uh, what our weight should be, uh, how much money we should make. Um, It it tells us uh, where we should find our satisfaction and where we should find uh, maybe our happiness. Uh, It tells us our value. And we stare at the, the mirror of the world and we look through it and it's telling us these things that are so contrary to what James is saying. We need to be staring intently at this. We need to be staring intently at what God says about us. Not only what he says for us to do, but who he says we are that gives us the confidence to walk out those things. That mirror, his commands, his perfect law, his declaration of our value. That's how we walk the talk. We listen to these commands, but you also know who you are. And it's like getting that phone call in a hotel room in Rome. And all of a sudden the gospel hits us and we realize, oh man, this is paid for. The sin that I struggle with, maybe not even the sin, maybe it's the apathy. Maybe doing isn't just, I keep doing things I regret. Maybe it's, why can't I do these things that I know God is calling me to? Y'all ever feel that way? Oh man, I'm going to like get in the word every day or I'm going to start serving in this capacity and then we kind of go for a while and then we just forget and we kind of wander away from that. What gives us the freedom and the confidence to do that is being a believer who intently looks at this intently stares at the mirror of the word of God and says, what do you say I am? I challenge you this week. Spend some time in Colossians 3. Spend some time in Colossians. Spend some time in Galatians. Spend some time in this word and ask the question, God, who do you say I am? Who do you think I am? Who have you called me to be? A challenge we do for uh, the college students is we challenge them to make name tags. Man, make a name tag. It says, by the grace of God... Because it's not my, I mean, my default is wicked, right? My default is broken and jacked up. But by the grace of God, it's no longer I who live. Because I have been crucified with Christ. And the life which I now live, I, I, that I live in the flesh, I live in faith for the one who died and loved me and gave himself up for me. Right? That's what we get in the gospel. My life is no longer my own. So by the grace of God, I get him. He gets all of my junk poured onto him at the cross. And I get his imputed righteousness in my life. So God looks at the resume of my life, and I know it's going to come up short. And yet he stamps his name at the bottom of it and says, man, I approve. This is my boy. And if you're in Christ in here tonight, he says, you're my boy. You are my girl. You are my son. You are my daughter. We are co-heirs with Christ. That is heavy, and that is weighty, and that is freedom-producing but we forget so quickly. Here's how um, I'd really challenge you to apply this. Real, so many different ways we could take this. Learn who you are. Learn who that is. Be a doer of the word, but to be a doer of the word, you've got to learn who you are. Spend some time in his Word. Surround yourself in a community of people. Hint, hint. Amazing community right here. Are you plugged into it? Are you surrounded with other people that are going to speak that mirror into your life? This is who you are. If you're doing this solo, that... We don't want you to be in a small group to pad small group numbers. We want you to be in a small group because we think that's where life is. Because you can surround yourself with other people who say, this is who you are, I love you, I love you too much to go that way. That's what it looks like. So get plugged into a community of people that can help you, tell you who you are, who can speak truth into your life. Remember who you are. Write that sucker down. Put it, tattoo it on your chest, right? Who are you in Christ? If there's something you specifically struggle with, Find, find the contrary to that in Scripture and make that a part of your name. If, if you struggle with fear, then, man, when you're making your name badge, and that's going to be an evolving sanctification process, you say, by the grace of God, I am set free from fear. Sometimes you don't feel like it, but then you remind yourself, yeah, I am. And then live who you are. Learn who you are, remember who you are, live who you are. Live that faith out. Um, live out this beautiful, beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. And last thing I'm going to say if you're in this room, and uh, and man, you are here, you're enjoying this thing, it's great, but as we're talking about this new creation idea, and you're thinking, you know, I don't know that I'm really all in there. I'm I'm pursuing this thing, I'm checking this thing out, or I got like a like a poison dart in the neck, and then like I woke up, and I was like in this room, and somebody drugged me here, I was getting my mail, and all of a sudden somebody snuck me into this room. Wherever you are at in this room, <clears throat> I want you to hear this. You're not, I believe... It is not an accident that you're here tonight. The truth that we're going to proclaim in these songs, the word of God, whatever you're feeling right now, I guarantee you it's not because of me. If the Holy Spirit is poking at you, maybe you don't know what it is, but you just feel like, man, I feel like this is me. I feel like there's something I'm missing. I I want to challenge you. Be bold. Be bold to that Holy Spirit and say, what are you trying to tell me? Because what is at stake in listening to that is life and life abundantly. We are a room full of broken, messed up, jacked up people. Some of us have made it an art, including myself, to hide that from other people, to be able to live my life and pretty much hide how jacked up I am professionally. I mean, that's like my profession is to make myself look good spiritually. We are a room of broken people. God came to renovate us. God came to redeem and save us. And 2,000 years ago, our God kicked in the doors of history in the person of Jesus Christ and took all of our debt on himself in the death that he didn't deserve. And so now, if I put my faith in Christ, I get to walk out the rest of my days into eternity with Christ, not me, his grace, his blessing in an abundant life. Challenge you to be obedient to that. What are the ways you're not applying that? Maybe you've never really taken that first big step. It's so worth it. It's not easy, right? It is not easy. You're saying, I am going to be dead to myself. He wants all of you, but I promise it's worth it. Let me pray. Father, we love you, and we love you because you first loved us. Um, you loved us, and we don't uh, deserve it. And I, I still I don't know exactly why you do, why you love me, um, but I'm in awe of it. And it is worthy of a response in my life. So you've got it. You've got my life. Father, I lift up my brothers and sisters in this room and anything they're struggling with, whether it's apathy, whether it's uh, addiction. Father, would we be doers of the word? And that's so easy to say, but would we remember who we are? Would we stare intently into your word and respond to that? And then be a community who goes out and sets this city on fire for your glory the relationships that we have, the workplaces we're at, the roommates we have, Lord, would we be a people who go and do and apply your word of God in a way that's contagious to others because it shows of your love. Thank you, thank you, Father. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.